1: This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, La Mara Mara Thunder Rosa and I talk about the bright side of the ring. That's right, we're going to have a very positive edition of the Busted Open Podcast And we do it with a little bit of help. How about WWE Hall of Famer Mick Foley? Also, we talk to punk rock god. That's right, Lars Fredrickson. And also, we get into the return of the ring. That's right. We saw it on Dynamite this past Wednesday. We get Thunder's take on Soraya. Right now, on the Busted Open Podcast. How do I feel about
2: bringing a different type of person into AEW, and this happened is wednesday totally caught me off guard uh, i was watching and i was like wow the reaction of the people was pretty amazing i'm talking about saraya saraya yeah. and i um i'm pretty familiar with her mother like i wrestled with her mother in the same in the same show a couple times so she's definitely bringing something different to AEW. not only her experience she's been wrestling since she was 14 and uh, a lot of things so uh it's gonna be very interesting what we're gonna see in the women's division, and I'm seeing, I'm watching everything, you know, from from the back burner now because I know like I can't go back until I am ready to go back because of mm-hmm. you know, my injury. So sometimes that makes it a lot harder because you get more eager to get back in the ring and be like and and take what you know it belongs to you, right? Right. I I consider myself regardless if uh, how things happen and and at AW that I'm one of the one of the people that AEW uh created, one of the AEW stars. Like it's that's how I feel. And I feel like uh not only now, um, I have someone of that caliber of talent. She's very talented. I hope she comes and she's completely clear to wrestle. But she's gonna bring and she's gonna teach a lot of the girls a lot of cool stuff that, you know, otherwise they wouldn't have an opportunity to do. Um like again, she's been wrestling was bread and butter for a long, long time, and she knows the grind, and before she got signed, she was in the indies, and she was struggling just as much as everybody else does, It was, and um, and I think one of the things that Saraya has is that she hasn't changed her core. She continues to be the same person that she was before, and um, I'm really uh, interested to to get to know her and at, and at another level, and I know the fans are very excited to see her because they haven't seen her wrestle in a while, and they're very, very eager for that, so... In uh, a company-wise, rating-wise, this is gonna be great for ratings. This is gonna be great for the women's division, you cannot deny that. You cannot deny that, right? Yeah. But I think uh, for in other aspects, people are gonna be on their toes because again, um, it's always like I think it's always an uphill battle with people f- feeling like they need to like protect their spot, right? And for me, as, as still as a champion, um, I'm seeing a lot of things unfold. And it is important that when I come back, I come back with a plan. And I'm talking about from zero to everything. I wanna I wanna come back the way that I never that I you guys never seen me before. And and having Soraya there, I'm like, all right, yeah, there's even more competition. Yes, I'm on top, but if it, when you're on top and, and you have bigger sharks in the tank, well, you want to start eating because you gotta get bigger than the shark that it wants to take, wants to take what you have. So it's gonna be very interesting.
1: Yeah, but they always say it's harder to stay on top than it is to get to the top. And I think this is an example of it. The The landscape of that women's division in AEW Thunder is changing while you're away. And it's going to look a lot different when you come back from your injury to be defending that world championship again. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And you're right about the reaction. And I, I'm interested, too, because you said you wrestled her mom. You know, I know they made that no, I, move.
2: No, I I didn't wrestle with her mom. I work in shows where her mom. Oh, was worked wrestling. with the
1: shows. Okay. Yes,
2: and she used to give us uh, uh, seminars. Actually, I went to a seminar in what uh, was it in Houston? No, it was in Chicago. So the woman knows what she's talking about. She's been in the business for a long, long time, and she's one of the most hard hitting wrestlers I know. And a lot of people were scared of her because she she don't take excuse my friend, she don't take shit from no one, you know, and like. The night families is well known all over. So um, you know, Saraya continued with 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 that, and and she was well respected. She 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 did create a lot of history in NXT when it was uh, black and gold, back when it was new, new, new. And then when she came to to the main roster and WWE, she most definitely was part of like that change. But she was doing a lot of stuff with AJ Lee and, and 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 her style of wrestling. Unfortunately, and due to injury, uh, her career was cut short. But um, it was very beautiful to see someone who started from the bottom come into, like, a WrestleMania moment. I watched that WrestleMania when she came out, and, like, I, I watched the social media posting her and her mother there. Like, I can imagine how proud she felt about that right now. And she made a, a, a career of her own with wrestling, and now she she has, you know, a makeup line. Uh, she has a Twitch account. She does a lot of stuff. So she, she has her own movie that The Rock produced. So again, I can tell you, she brings a lot to the women's division. She, bring, she brings a brand, something that is needed at the division too. So I I mean that you can't deny. I know Tony does all of stuff because he knows he he wants ratings. We want, we want, we want to be number one, right? If you start something something, you want to be number one. Otherwise, don't start it. Right. But for me as a, as an athlete, for me as a champion, that's top competition right there on every single aspect experience uh, persona character how well known she is she's a star right she is what i the she she has what i want and i'm striving for that's that's who she is to me right and 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 another thing that i like about her she owns her mistakes she owns her what happened to her in the prime, in, in uh previously and she moved on and she continued to live her life the ones that she wants to live her life. So I respect that on her. So um, yeah, it's gonna be interesting. I'm gonna be watching. I think I'm gonna start doing some, uh, some videos on my YouTube, uh, reaction videos on the matches from the women's division just to keep uh, everybody on their toes.
1: I like that. And you know what you mentioned about how you look at Soraya and what she's done in her career and you want to achieve some of those goals in your own career, but it's funny because you own something and that's that AEW world women's championship that I'm sure at one point she's going to want to achieve. So even though you look at her and say, Hey, I want to be, she, you have something that I'm sure she wants now that she's a part of AEW. So when you come back, thunder it's going to be some interesting times in aew
2: yes it is going to be very interesting for the women's division it's going to be very interesting just in general because everything evolves so quickly in professional wrestling what was in a month ago is not in right now things change like this so again i have to stay you know on my toes and i have to stay ready but that's the nice part i'm looking you know uh, I'm a stranger looking in I, I, again, and I can see things that they probably can't see. So that's the upper hand that I have on everyone right now. Because I, I have time, nothing but time.
0: If you missed anything this week on Mad Dog Sports Radio, I got you covered. It's Mike Bapchik's Morning After, where we play back the best clips of the week and recap in a way you have never heard before. It's a roast like no other, and no one is safe. Not Mad Dog, not anyone. This is a Morning After walk of shame you actually won't regret. You can find Mike Bapchik's Morning After on SiriusXM, Pandora, Stitcher, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Don't forget to follow the show so you never miss an episode. We're talking
1: about the bright side of the ring, and somebody that has done so much for the world of pro wrestling inside and outside the ring, Thunder, is our next guest, the legendary Hall of Famer, Mr. Mick Foley. Mick, good morning, and
3: thanks so much for the time. Uh, Thank you, Dave, and thank you, uh, Thunder. How are you both doing?
2: We're great. But we want to, first of all, uh, Mick, thanks for coming in today. I know you have a very tight schedule. And I wanted, uh, you know, if you feel comfortable, I would like for you to tell us a little bit more about all the awesome things that you have done outside of professional wrestling that not only have helped kids, families, the community, but also has like nourished your soul.
3: Yeah, yeah, sure. I appreciate you being, having me on this episode although the nicest of all of us is sitting right next to me. Miss Molly Holly is uh, hanging awesome. out with me today. So uh, I think she's gener- I think it's generally recognized uh, that uh, with Molly Holly here, all of us are just playing for second place when it comes to being <laughs> nice. So that's just one of the things she's, right? It's really, ah, she's blessing. Uh, well, you know what? When I got out of WWE full-time in 2000, Uh, I, I mean, I did, I did miss being on the road, uh, but the thing I missed the most was having the opportunity to see like the, the wish children backstage, like, uh, John Cena has been rightfully recognized as the guy with the most wishes granted, I think double anyone else. Um, but just because I, you weren't someone's wish didn't mean you couldn't be part of that amazing day. For that child. So anytime we'd hear about a you know a child who was having a wish, we kind of gravitate around that child, and it really was like Rosa said, a, a nourishing feeling. And so when I left wrestling, uh, I really missed that. And so I did take my first few months off to start uh, you know volunteering and calling up and finding out where I could help out. And uh, I remember going like to the Paul Newman Hole in the Wall Gang Camp. Uh, almost every week for a couple summers, I would just show up for, uh, you know, a day and a half. And, uh, and then I, I wanted to be a volunteer for a camp adventure for, uh, children with cancer and their, and their families. Um, and they made you do like a six hour leadership course. And I remember my wife saying, you don't have to take courses, you know, you're, you're, you can go to another charity. I went, you know, anything worth doing is worth doing well. So I did the six hour leadership course and, uh, learned, uh, you know, learned quite a bit. And I just, I just over time gravitated towards different, uh, organizations that were important to me, uh, during different periods of my life.
1: Wow. I mean, I listen, um, I think a lot of people need to know about this, Mick. I think it needs to be highlighted. Thunder and I decided to do this show today because, and I, and, and I get it, you know, negativity, controversy, uh, people get clicks and, and people want to read about it and hear about it. But I think it's important to let fans know about what wrestlers are actually doing for their communities and for their fans. And I think you're the perfect example of that.
3: Well, I, um, I try for 10 years. I made sure I volunteered uh, twice a week, every week. And then I kind of got out of that. And, uh, but then when I, uh, you know, uh, uh, Passed my ambassadorship uh, test uh, to represent Santa at different junctures. Uh, that really gave me something to do for that entire month, and so I probably put in, you know, probably 60 to 80 hours during that that month. And so wow. I uh, I still try, you know, I'm funding a school in Kenya, uh, and I'm excited about that. But there's something. Uh, wrestling fans can help me out with it, especially if they're in the Chicagoland area. And that's a uh, benefit show I'm doing for Joe During in West Chicago on December 4th, where 100% of my proceeds, plus the uh, shirt off my back auction will go help uh, Joe battle brain cancer for a second time.
2: Wow, That's amazing. And I've seen, I'm just going to say this before we go to break. I've seen uh, Mike do this with people that he's had, uh, conversations with or they've been fans for a long time when he was here in San Antonio. Um, he he goes above and beyond anyone I've known, even with me when I help him out. Thank you, Mike, uh, for for doing this too, t- with me and my family and my friends like you didn't have to. And I it was a pleasure for me to ask Paul to bring you in, because a lot of more people need to know how wonderful of a person you are. Not only as a wrestler, you're a legend, but as a person, you're golden. And I have so much respect
3: for you. Well, thank you, Miss Rosa. Thank you very much. Thanks, Dave. And I'm glad to see the two of you uh, mended fences after you threw Dave into (laughs) the world's largest collection of soda cans.
1: (laughs) Well, well, Mick, thank you so much. The fact that you even acknowledge that means a lot to me. But honestly, thank you for all you do. I know you're busy, but thanks for giving us the time this morning.
3: All right. Thanks again. Have a nice day. You too. (laughs) Have a nice day,
1: Mick Mick Foley. Uh, Like you said, uh, Mick's a legend uh, in and out of the Mm -hmm. ring, Thunder, and we encourage that type of behavior, and obviously we want to highlight that today. It's the bright side of the ring. As a wrestling fan, you know it's hard. All the blood, the sweat, the tears, the chairs. It's a hard day out there. And do you know what tastes incredible after a hard day in the ring? A Mike's Hard Lemonade. You get all hot and bothered, and then you can cool off with an ice-cold hard lemonade. Since day one, Mike's Hard Lemonade has been making lemonade the hard way. They take three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from Family Farms, and cold-press them to create a taste like no other. They choose to do things the hard way because they know hard days deserve a hard lemonade. That's why for 25 years, Nothing has tasted better after a hard day than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. Find now in store, Mike's is hard, so is prison. Don't drive drunk, premium malt beverage with flavors, Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois.
3: This is Adam Shine, host of the Adam Shine Podcast, here to tell you you can listen to my podcast all year round. I'll give you my NFL picks against the spread, give you fantasy advice all season long, while being joined by the best guests in all of sports. He's Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers. This is what I expect. You know, I expect to play well every year. We release episodes of the Adam Shine Podcast every week. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast or listen on the SXM app, including with most subscriptions. The Adam Shine Podcast.
2: We have another guest that are here to talk uh, to us about the bright side of professional wrestling, but I'm going to let you introduce him.
1: Yeah. And it's somebody who's become a friend over the last couple of years. He's a loyal nation member and he's done so much work in pro wrestling, but he's somebody that I love to talk to just to talk about pro wrestling. Like, you know, just to talk about the moments, the memories, the nostalgia of it. So I thought he would be a perfect guest for this morning. And that's, our good friend, Lars Fredrickson. Lars, how are you, man?
4: Doing good. Trying to get that cup of coffee down so I can show up bright, shiny and bright for you. Because now I, just, I know that.
2: Are not, you in California yeah. right now?
4: Yeah. San Francisco, California. Live <laughs> via satellite.
2: <laughs> well, I'm going to be out there in, uh, I think, in a, in a week or two.
4: What, where are you?
2: Yeah. In San Francisco for a couple days, and then I'm going to Berkeley for a speaking engagement. Where you're more than awesome. welcome to come and talk uh, oh. and watch it. Uh, you know, that's my alma mater. So oh,
4: I character. you like went it. to Berkeley?
2: Yeah, I went to UC Berkeley.
1: Oh, sh- sh- oh I didn't know that. <laughs> yes. Well, you're a, you're a smart cookie.
2: Uh, just a little bit, you know. <laughs> just a little bit.
1: <laughs> but see, this is um, part of what I'm talking about, Lars. Is that like we were talking earlier about the pro wrestling community? Kind of being a network for fans to feel comfortable and express how much they love pro wrestling and that's why I started this show and sometimes we get away with get away from it because of the negativity and the criticism, which could be wow. fun at times too, but even just like with you two you know in the break we're talking about you know thunder being uh, a part of your show you have your podcast that yeah. you do and i love that cuz we are a community and you're a part of a community like the punk rock community and and the pro wrestling fans are are very similar to that hardcore fans that love it and and i and i love i wish and i'm sure in punk rock too you have your factions of punk rock fans that one's better than the other and it gets it gets fractured at times that's one thing that I want to try to stay away with, stay away from in the community well, that we have.
4: I mean, not, not to cut you off, Dave, but it's like I found pro wrestling because it was sort of like a, it was sort of like punk rock. You know, what I mean, it was kind of on the fringes of society. It wasn't necessarily accepted by, you know, the world. I mean, you know, half of the people used to think it was fake. The other half of the people used to think it was real. There's always been somewhat a division of, with wrestling. Um, I think that the part that gets lost sometimes, it's just entertainment and it's it's supposed to be enjoyable and it's supposed to bring people together. It's like football or anything else. It's like it's for me when I watched it, you know, with my kids, it was like family time. I would take the kids to shows and they would get to meet guys like Will Hobbs or, you know, their uncle CM Punk or whatever. And then that would draw them into this whole other world. That was exciting and entertainment. I mean, real life comic book, hero, uh, uh, comic book heroes come into life in the ring. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're all, you know, human beings. So it's like, um, you know, when you take all that in and take all that into account, it's like, and you, and if you're there just to criticize something for uh, somebody or something for, for doing something that you can't, then you just suck anyways, you know? So it's like, <laughs> you know, but to keep it on the positive light. I mean, I've had more experiences that have been positive in my life because of this, you know, I mean, it kept me like when I, when I was 16, 15 and into punk rock, even earlier than that. And no one would hang out with me. And all my friends, parents said, you can't hang out with that guy because he's a troublemaker. Cause he's got a Mohawk or he's, you know, doesn't, he shaves his head or whatever the hell it was, you know, Saturday afternoon, I had something to do. You know, I would watch the WWF in the morning, the AWA. And then I had, you know, World Championship Wrestling at uh, 305 or whatever it was. You know what I mean? And then you had uh, Bill Watts, uh, Mid-South. You had GLOW. You had, you know. So for me, it was a place to find shelter and seek comfort. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, and I've told the story before. The reason why I wanted to play the garden is not because, like, you know, kiss did it or whatever is because of Jimmy Snuka on the top of the cage. Like that was, you know, my bucket list. That's the reason why it was my bucket list is because of Snuka and Morocco in that match, you know, watching that and going, Oh my God, you know? So I think professional wrestling, as much as there is a negative, um, I think it's created a lot more positive in, you know, as far as like your show's topic, um, you know, it's a great one, I think.
2: I'm curious to hear from your for your point of view and your perspective. Uh sure. you being a punk rocker, right? What was the most punk rock uh show you attended and then it was just like this is like very similar.
4: Well, um, you know, the music is, you know, back in the days there was a lot of more um, you know, I can think of one in, in one instance in particular where I could make the the connection um but I saw, it was a show in San Jose, there was a full riot, cops, you know, uh, tear gas, the whole thing beating the shit out of us, you know what I mean? Because, you know, people don't understand it. They didn't understand what it was. They didn't understand that we weren't in there killing each other, we are dancing, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, and now it's such commonplace, you know, they're they're, you know, thrashing at rap concerts. It's like. And, you know, NBA players have tattoos. It's like, what the fuck happened? You know what I mean? So, but it's so widely acceptable and it's so part of like the norm of the culture. But there was one instance when I saw CM Punk literally start a riot at the Cow Palace in, here in San Francisco. And that was the closest thing that I, that, that, I mean, just with the microphone and just with his attitude and that was the the most similar thing to the gnarliest punk show I'd ever been to. That was the gnarliest wrestling show. I remember Chris Jericho being too afraid to go out to the ring because it was so crazy. You know <laughs> what I mean? So um, it was it was that was a pretty gnarly time. I mean, there's video of it online on YouTube. My friend Kevin Gill actually shot it, and I mean, they're throwing soda cans. They're throwing everything. It's gallows, serenas in the in the in in the ring. So this is when he was with the other company. Gallo, Serena, and him, and he's just talking s- so much inappropriate stuff. But he's creating this atmosphere, you know, it's when they had the Straight Edge Society. Yeah. And that was one of the closest things to the gnarliness of it all. But that's the power, you know, the power that, that can hook you in, the bad guy or the good guy.
1: And I'm glad you mentioned Kevin Gill. Kevin Gill is another – uh, great supporter of what we do and the form of wrestling and bringing other elements from the outside into this world. I think he does a tremendous job uh, with everything he does, uh, Kevin Gill. So I'm glad that you, that you mentioned him and you, and you mentioned like Madison square garden, that moment with Snuka and Morocco in the cage. And it it's, it's crazy to me. And I want to get your take on it, Lars, like, Ric Flair. I, I was a wow. big Ric Flair fan back in the day. But if I mentioned Ric Flair to my to my friends on the school, they didn't know who the hell I was talking about. But but now he's like an icon. And everybody knows know. the name Ric Flair. And it, and it goes to music. Like, I was a big Motorhead fan back in high school. I couldn't find anybody in my high school that even heard of Motorhead. But now you see everybody wearing a Motorhead shirt. Like, how is it possible when it was available for you to watch – <laughs> and available for you to listen. Nobody did it. But 30 years after the fact, they've become institutions. Well, I, you know, I
4: feel like anything that cool, like Ric Flair and Motorhead, at some point, the whole world's going to see how freaking cool he was or they were at some point. It's like you, you can't. What, they, what do they say? The, uh, the truth has legs, right? Yeah. It's always going to come out. And it's just <laughs> like anything else that's cool. Um, you know, Hulk Hogan, I think, really brought, you know, that the, the wrestling and, and the rock and wrestling connection obviously was a big thing because you had MTV and that was like, you know, that generation now being exposed to this to this thing. We could talk about that all day. But um, I always kind of feel like um, punk rock was like, for me, the coolest music in the world when it got popular and big. Well, it was like, well, no, duh. Like, of course, it's going to do that because it's good. And at some point, something that good, you know, is going it's you know, it's it's going to have its time in the sun. And Motorhead was is legendary. There wasn't there wasn't a Motorhead. There never would have been a a Metallica, There never would have been a Rancid. There never would have been a Slayer. You know, there never would have been these bands, you know. And then you think about Ric Flair. If there wasn't a Ric Flair, then we probably wouldn't have the wrestlers or the performers that we have, including myself. I mean, I used to watch Ric Flair. When he, I mean, I would read about him in the magazines. My friend Andy Finney, who, who was the one that exposed me to professional wrestling, that's how I found out about the Sheep Herders and, you know, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, uh, Butch Reed, um, you know, because, you know, I found out it all through, through the magazines. And when I finally saw them on my TV, I, I was blown away. And Ric Flair, just the way that he presented himself, I, I can I can honestly say that I can give I can attribute part of the way I can talk to a crowd because I learned from watching t- uh, Ric Flair perform on TV.
2: Wow, that's so interesting! Because last week we were talking about uh, what was it, what was it, what were we talking about, David? Because I got a, 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 a airhead moment right
1: now. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about a lot of things last. No, week.
2: No, 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 no. It was we were talking about um, oh, just what how some people set the standard and the blueprint of factions. Thank you very much. Well, we're talking about factions and we're talking about the four horsemen, right? Oh yeah. We were just saying how they, you know, set the blueprint for the new generation of wrestlers. And it's the same with music. And every time I watch a show music wise, I think about wrestling, but it is you guys have such a influence and I see how you guys move masses with your lyrics, with your voice with with your presence and like when we do in professional wrestling in the ring when they have monikers when they have like the song that we come out to we move it but it's just like music is so powerful too
4: you want to know why the four horsemen worked well i'll tell you why the four horsemen worked because you had Oli, arn Tully, and rick it's basically a band mm-hmm. okay Oli and arn drummer Bass player, Oli being the drummer. He was the old guy. He kept the solid beat, like Phil Rudd from ACDC. He had Arn, who was like just a solid bass player. They were, they were a tag team, uh, bass players and drummers. You're only as good as your bass player and your drummer. You're only as good as a band as a rhythm section. Tolly Blanchard was kind of like the wild guitar player, and then Rick Flair's your front man. That's why it worked I like because that. that's the way i saw it you know i mean i saw it as like it was that was like the kiss of professional wrestling if you really think about it you know i mean because everybody had their own personality yet they were all together and you could always see and kiss who who was with who you know what i mean even though you may not have known you know the bullshit that was you know going on backstage but i always seen seen the four horsemen as a band and um That's why I think it worked. That's why I think it appealed to people, because if you think about the times, you know, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm I'm, maybe I should write a book about it. I don't know. But um, I always saw them, like I said, as a band in any any faction, you know, like you were saying, they were kind of the the creme de la creme of factions. Like you don't you can't talk about that without mentioning the four horsemen, but then you can talk about, you know, Kevin Sullivan and and. know what he was doing down in florida or you can talk about you know poly dangers the dangerous alliance you can talk about uh the strainer society you can talk about the fabulous Freebirds. you could i mean these are all synonymous with factions um you can even think about the job squad or you know like there's so many things that are that that you can do with factions it's so versatile but like you said you can't talk about that in particular without talking about the four horsemen i mean they that's the, that's the probably the the one that will, everybody will remember. I mean, Nation of Domination. There's another one.
1: Yep, so. it's, you're right. It, it, well, well, speaking of that, and you talked about factions, thunder, and and Lars. You were equating it to bands. You just had a tour recently where it was just you and a guitar up on yeah. stage. So for you, I'm interested to hear. Did you like that dynamic maybe even more than being in a band in a live performance? And were you more nervous knowing that all eyes were going to be on you?
4: Yeah. You know, I'm, I always get nervous no matter what, no matter who I'm performing with, even if I'm enjoying somebody up on stage, you know, I'm always kind of, I read this book when I was a kid, I did a book report on Mickey Mantle. And I remember in the book, he said the day that I step up to home plate and I don't have, butterflies is the day that i retire and he said that in this book like prior like chapter chapter ago you know like the first couple chapters and then at the end of the book when he did have didn't have the butterflies when he stepped up to plate and he knew it was time to retire he retired and i always took that with me because i feel like that nervous energy is all part of the the process right it's all part of that like you know how you get out there and how how you perform and i'm sure thunder you you know what i'm talking about dave to some experience when thunder kicked your ass like i'm sure you were pretty nervous about that too. Do you remember that day? Remember when thunder kicked your ass?
1: I I do. Thank you, Lars. I do remember. Okay, that. just want to
4: remind you, you that, that that she I still have the handprint on my che- I yeah. still have
1: the handprint on my chest.
4: i, I just, just re- so want to you know. remind you that Thunder's a badass and she will kick your ass. So you don't get yeah. out of line. Okay? Don't let the little cowboy have fun yeah So. <laughs> but uh, she, anyways so I, it's two totally different experiences for me. I mean, I play in a band that sings all in German. I don't really know what they're singing half the fucking time, but like I'm still feeling that energy. You know, it's that passion. I had a lot of fun doing the solo thing because like it, it's, it's my opportunity to kind of it was kind of like a snapshot into, uh, into my life. And it was an intimate way to kind of connect with people. Cause that's where I truly want to connect with people now. Like I'm not taking, you know, applications for friendships anymore. You know, like if you're my friend at this point, that means that we have some sort of intimate connection. Like I don't really want to waste time on the surface level stuff. Right. So that's even going to come across in, in my performance or in what I'm doing musically. Like I just want to connect with people. I'm, I'm sort of over the division. There's too much of it in the world as it is right now. And, um, I'm just not, I don't care what, you know, people's hangups are, or or I just, I never really mattered to me to begin with, but now I just really don't care. But, and so I figured like presenting myself in an intimate way where people could actually yell out a question and I could tell them to either shut the fuck up or answer it, you know, (laughs) and, 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 and and, cause I'm a pretty, you know, I, I, I would say that I'm a pretty competent human being and I'll stand my ground. I don't care who you are. And if you attack my family and you attack my friends, I will kill you. Like that's the way I feel. But on the same time, if you're really nice to me, then I'm going to be twice as nice back because that's just who I am. And I think that's also human nature too, you know? So I'm not really into the backstabbing, you know, gossiping part of, of, of life anymore. I mean, that's for the, the young kids, you know, yeah. and like a friend of mine said, uh, I'm too tired and too old for that shit, so.
2: Are you getting my muffin right now?
4: <laughs> I'm going to drink fucking coffee, Thunder.
2: <laughs> By the way, I want to say, your poster be- behind you is so dope. I hope it is original. Is it an uh, original Come poster?
4: on. Come on. I'm an original. That's an original.
2: <laughs> no, it looks original. So, Is it Santo versus what?
4: It's Santo versus uh, the Martians.
2: Oh, my God.
4: Good movie. So that's it. So I, I well, I love Santo, right? And I, and I have like so many of those posters. But that was always my favorite. Now that is an original. Um, I bought that in Los Angeles. There used to be a poster store on Hollywood Boulevard. I think I bought that in 1995 or 1996. Wow! I paid, I think, a hundred dollars for it, or maybe Shut even a little, le- a little less for it, and. Uh, And I remember thinking, like, this is the first one I'm going to get framed. And it was the first one because I I love old horror movies and stuff like that. Anything that's kind of like avant-garde as far as like, you know, not the norm, like pro wrestling and horror movies. Like, you know, you think about it, Dave, like 30 years ago, pro wrestling and horror movies are not, you know, that's not something that's that's not a hot topic of conversation at Thanksgiving. Right. No,
1: not at all. And now it's, but, uh, I, I think this, Lars, and this is my mm. take on it, and you could disagree. I feel like none of those things were getting attention 35, 40 years ago because the people in charge of companies and creativity in, in this country, they didn't grow up on it. They didn't watch it. They didn't understand it. So they just right. completely ignored it. Now, I think Uh, people who are in charge of these major corporations and companies grew up on wrestling. They grew up on horror movies. Like, you know, they grew up watching Dawn of the dead and listening to motorhead. So those, those decision makers are making the decisions to put those things in the mainstream. At least that's, that's my, you know, my educated guess on it anyway.
4: I agree. But once you put fucking zombies in pro wrestling, that's oh, where fuck I'm that. Go.
1: Don't <laughs> wait a second. Stop it. Stop. Stop it right there, Lars. Lars, that's where this conversation ends. Because this is the bright side of the ring. It's not the dark side of the ring. And wow. you know, I, I we don't need to go to one of the most <laughs> epic meltdowns that I've ever had on this air when some fucking zombified executive with no brain. A a walking, talking zombie somewhere in the corridors of the WWE came up with the decision to put a fucking zombie on a pay-per-view. And hopefully that person no longer works there. Dave, let's keep this on the bright side.
2: Tell him how you really feel, brother. Oh, my God. Why (laughs) do you
0: do 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 this to me?
4: Well, anyway, just, you, know,
0: you
4: know, I'm just trying to get a little ride. We made
1: out of it two hours and 53 minutes <laughs> with keeping this whole show positive, Lars. And you had to throw a hand grenade. Well, into you know, thing. I'm a provocateur, Dave. That's what I do. I go in and I push buttons. He you loves you I mean? do us. I like it. All right. But, you know, and I, I already said Thunder is going to be a guest on your podcast. We're making that yes. happen. So so tell uh, which our I'm audience, complete
4: which I'm completely honored about because like I said, I think she's no. seriously the face of women's professional wrestling changed when you step foot in the door and when everybody saw you on TV and everybody saw your capabilities and your matches the level you know people needed to kind of reach your level and 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 I'm no I know I'm not the only person who says
1: that. Busted open as part of the Sirius XM sports podcast network if you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more please give a five star rating and leave a review subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast catch the full three hours of busted open monday through saturday at 9 a.m eastern on siriusxm foundation channel 156 go to siriusxm.com backslash open trial to start your free trial today